Hi, everybody. Before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to let you know that I am in this episode talking some about mental health and ADHD. And if that is something that you're not in the mental space to listen to right now, once I start talking about it, you can skip forward to about 44 minutes and it will be back to your normal bike talk. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 84. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Drywall Sucks. (laughs) That's right, drywall. It sucks. I'm doing drywall in my house, and it sucks. So do you have Um, actually drywall, or are there plaster in places, like old, old school? No, it's regular drywall. Okay. When was drywall the standard? Like the 70s, 60s? I don't, I don't know. Well, before I was born, so. <laughs> but your house was built in the fifties, seventies, seventies. Okay. Yeah, we had to swab the walls for lead-based paint, but didn't really expect there would be any. But just had to check it just to be sure. And was there lead-based your paint? Your mom has plaster. Nah, nope, no lead. I'm pretty sure they used lead paint into like the seventies. Yeah, uh, it, it was. I think it was illegal after a certain year, but uh, there okay. was still a lot of it just around in the seventies. But yeah, I mean, we swabbed all the layers that were available to swab um, in that room and didn't find any. It turns out lead like does some stuff really good. It makes like super awesome good paint and it makes super high octane gasoline. But turns out it's just <laughs> it's, toxic. It's real the good downside. at like killing you and shit. Yeah. It's really heavy. Yeah. It doesn't get out Bad of your, your body, brain. right? Isn't that the problem? Maybe I have it mixed up with mercury. No, you don't really pro. You can very slowly process lead out, but I think mercury are just straight fucked. There's nothing they can do, right? A silver definitely doesn't come out of your body. Hmm. I don't know. Is just in general, like the heavy metals, you just shouldn't be around them too much. Yeah, I imagine ingesting like Fleet. uranium and stuff's probably bad. <laughs> After you say heavy metal. Please insert some gnarly guitar riff right there. <laughs> Inge- ingesting, try. yeah, that's people would disagree. Ingesting heavy metal is bad for you. Do I talk about my week now? Because sure. my week's mostly drywall. <laughs> well, it won't take you too long. You're gonna, you're gonna talk about different drywall, like all the different shrimp from Forrest Gump. No, definitely <laughs> not. No, I don't even think that. I mean, I could be wrong. Matt's researched it way more than I have. 100% more than I have, but I, I don't know if Matt knows different types of drywall, do you? No. <laughs> okay. He looked at me for a second there like I was crazy, but I didn't think so. No, I don't know anything. I I jumped into this project without thinking through all the ramifications of what my future <laughs> would be. And while I know that the end goal will be worth it and, and will be very nice... Don't shove chocolate in I'm your mouth while you're talking. eating support chocolate you're because t- this is so traumatic. <laughs> That's just shoving chunks of chocolate in his mouth while he's talking in mid-sentence. <clears throat> Look, you don't get this size without eating like this. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just, it's, it's, it just sucks. It, everyone's always like, oh, it always takes longer than you think. And I guess it is taking longer than I thought, but it's 
I was like, yeah, this isn't going to take a day or two, but it's taking much more than I thought it was going to take. Um, and it's pretty high effort, and it's very messy. Sanding the drywall has been, like, everything else has been a manageable mess, a containable mess, but sanding that layer of mud to make it smooth has been... Well, the problem is it's like a loft, kind of, so there's no, it's not like a bedroom that I can close the door to, so it's really hard to contain it to just that room. I mean, I'm not mad. It's going to look awesome when it's done, but boy, howdy, I'm not very excited right now. But that's really my whole week. I rode the trainer once. I hung out with Parker. That's it. That's me. Somebody else should talk because I don't really have shit. I've got a couple of things written down on my notebook, but... Sure, I'll go. I did a fat bike ride on Saturday or Sunday. Can't remember which. We got a lot of snow, and it was definitely not ideal riding conditions. Like the main part that gets packed down by snowmobiles and all that was decent. But the single track was very, very dicey, uh, very holy from people falling through the snow and stuff. And it was like <laughs> craters everywhere and they are gnarly. And I thought I was going to get my teeth rattled out of my head on the descent, but it was still pretty fun out. And I think that's all the bicycle related stuff I have outside of that. I've been car shopping. I've been like mildly car shopping for six months or so, but I all of a sudden got more serious about it and was like really getting serious about looking for vans. So prepare yourself for a bunch of car content, but this is kind of bicycle adjacent because, you know, people do a lot of van and truck things to get bicycles around. So I think it might be relevant to talk about on the show and all the stages of grief that I went through in the journey, the journey of which is not (laughs) over yet. Do you have emotional support chocolate to shove in your face? (laughs) No, uh, I I hold my feelings in. So I do too. I just keep them inside with chocolate. (laughs) I wanted a van. I've wanted a van for a while now. Vans are cool. I think we, a lot of people might agree with that if you're into outdoor sports things. I really wanted one for, you know, when you go somewhere, you have a home base, all your stuff is like in the van and organized. I'm not interested in van life. I'm not interested in living out of my van. So I want a utilitarian van that's like more of a toy hauler. So with that said, if I was going to do a Mercedes Sprinter, I was looking at a high roof short wheelbase one, which would be cool. You can stand up in them. They're great, uh, but they're a lot of dollars, even used ones, and they're all diesel for the most part. I really don't like diesel. I just don't. Uh, You can get ridiculous mileage out of them, but the problem is great. So you can get 500,000 miles out of the block and head. That's cool. But the problem is all the ancillary shit that's really important for it to run that's bolted to it, they all break. So fuel pumps, fuel injectors, all the other crazy deaf stuff and pumps and combiners and weird EGR sandwich plates that go to other things that mix oil and water and air and four other elements all within the same piece. And then like one thing leaks and then everything breaks and it just sucks. And with all this emission stuff, they have to cram all this stuff on diesels to make them work. And that stuff gets really expensive. So if you had a brand new one, that would be cool. But yeah, they poop out turbos and just everything you can imagine. They can have issues, not always, but when you do, if the fuel pump goes out five grand, one injector goes out at least a grand. Like they're so, they can become so expensive that I'm a little scared off by them. So that's Mercedes Sprinter land. And to give you an idea, a decent used one with a hundred thousand miles on it is going to be between 30 and $40,000, which is a lot of dollars. 
and Ford Transits are kind of the same story. They still go for thirty to forty thousand dollars. They do have just regular gas motor options, which is cool, and like normally aspirated ones, so no turbo. Pretty reliable, but they're pretty expensive. And I would say that a short wheelbase medium roof transit's even more rare than the Sprinter for whatever reason. There's the Dodge Promaster, but it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And if I'm going to spend thirty to forty thousand dollars on it, like I just cannot bring myself to own one of those things i just can't get over it they're just absolutely it's like disgusting the, it's like the pug of vans it, like is. it looks like it smashed into a brick wall backed up and they hit it with some bondo and paint and called it a production vehicle yeah and like you know i've met some pugs that are nice but a lot of most pugs you know <laughs> uh run around and they have like all kinds of breathing problems and they're like kind of energetic and weird and kind of dumb and that's what i feel like that van is i just can't get over it so anyway and regardless, even if I could get along with what they look like, they're still $30,000. So anyway, all right. So those are kind of like the choices of vans. I can even, now I'm starting to make compromises, right? I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to stand up in it. Like truly, fully six foot tall person, average dude stand up in it. Okay, cool. Uh, so I could do the short roof sprinter, which is like five foot five i think inside something like that so pretty decent like you just have to kind of hunch over but you could totally walk front to back like that'd be great uh the short roof transit is about a foot shorter than that so you have to like really hunch over in that thing so now i'm making all these compromises but they're still like 20 to thirty thousand dollars, and i'm just getting like discouraged at this point so then i think well what if i just get like a pickup truck so to set the stage I have a Lexus CT200H right now, which is just a Lexus Prius. And it's a great car. I like it a lot. I've had it for five years, something like that. And yeah, it's a great car. Uh, I haul motorcycles around on it, which is absurd. It's really not designed to do that. It doesn't do well off-road, obviously, because it has like literally four inches of ground clearance. But I've been making do. So ultimately, I want to be able to haul multiple motorcycles and bicycles easy and other toys. The other piece of that is I live in Utah and like to travel to places that are off the beaten path. So having four wheel drive would be pretty cool. Not necessary, but be very cool for sure. And those vans, while they both offer all wheel drive vans, automatically tack on 10,000 to whatever number I was talking about to get the four wheel drive version. And then they're even more rare. So that brings you to pickup trucks. Okay, cool. Let's just get a pickup truck. But then I also, I don't mind having the two vehicle thing. So like, okay, let's get a cheaper, let's just get a cheaper truck. I don't really want to work on it a ton if I don't have to. And so that brings you to like that ten to $15,000 ballpark and you can get a, you know, Chevy 1500 or any other of the half ton trucks. And I just didn't really see anything I liked. And they're all, they're trucks. They're, they're frame on body situations. They ride like shit. Everyone's going to have 150,000 miles on it. It's going to need everything. Everything, the suspension is going to be trashed. It's going to need ball joints, the whole nine yards. So not super pumped on that. And uh, anyway, throughout this whole journey, stumbled upon Honda Ridgelines. And I don't know if you've ever seen a Honda Ridgeline, the first generation. They're really ugly. Now, ugly in a different way than a Ram. Like a Ram is just, that Ram Promaster, that thing is just ugly. But this one is like, you know, that guy who's like arguably maybe ugly, but more maybe like character in his face. Uh, <laughs> that's more what the Honda Ridgeline so is. So kind of like 
an ugly dog, but like it's missing a tooth, so it tongue hang, hangs out, so it's like endearing. Yeah, right. Like there's, it's a different, it's a different level of ugly for some. I reason. mean, I don't really think a Honda Ridgeline is ugly. I just think that it looks like someone made a truck that kind of sucks at being a truck. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it's not a. It's it's a crossover truck. Yeah. So we can talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about like what it can do and what it is and what it isn't. If you have an RV that's 67 feet long and has four levels on it, like a lot of people in Utah have, uh, yeah, you're not going to pull a 10,000-pound trailer with this truck. It is 5,000 pounds. That's what it pulls. But I think it's got like a transmission cooler from the factory, which is kind of cool. And it's essentially got the drivetrain out of a Odyssey van. So it's like 250-horse V6. Fine. They make a zillion parts for it. Everybody knows them. They seem to be pretty reliable. I saw a whole bunch with two hundred to 300,000 miles on it. I think that's probably a good sign. Uh, what else? So yeah, they're all four-wheel drive. Um, it's a kind of a it's kind of an all-wheel drive system. I think it's a little bit more advanced than like the Honda Element, where the Honda Element won't move power around until you actually lose traction. Whereas this one is like a little bit more a little bit more advanced Smarter. on-demand all-wheel drive setup. And I watched some videos of people wheeling them and they seem to do adequate. So I think if you put some decent tires on it and you're not a complete moron, it will get you through stuff, obviously, that a two-wheel drive car will not get you through. Sure. Like if you wanted to like camp somewhere that a van couldn't go easily. Yeah. Again, I'm not, not like, I'm not going to wheel in this thing, but I want to be able sure. to go down a not very well-maintained gravel road is essentially that's yeah the deal where it might have some decent you know one to two foot size rocks in it we're not rock crawling we're not doing uh four foot deep river crossings none of that stuff anyway but yeah found the ridgeline and you can find those things with 150 to 200,000 miles on them for un- way under 10,000 which is really cool and it's a honda so the nice thing about them is they're unibody but it's also a bad thing about them so you can't Again, you're not going to hitch up 10,000 pounds to it, but it's a unibody and it uses regular car suspension. So that means that things like ball joints and all that stuff actually last for 200,000 miles and not 50 to 100,000 miles, which is really cool. And yeah, they're reasonably priced. It's a Honda. So that's what I have my eyes out for officially. So we will see. Maybe if everything goes well next week, I will be able to talk more about having and owning a Ridgeline, but man, are they ugly. If you look at one from the side or the back, good I gosh. I don't think they're that ugly. What were they thinking? Like it could have been a perfectly good looking car and it could have been just- I mean, just... it's not like a Pontiac Aztec or something. Well, it's got Aztec vibes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it basically, the vibes you get from the front, oh no, sorry, from the back of the Aztec is what you get from the bed rails of um Yeah, a little bit. I can the see Ridgeline. that. They're kind of solid- well, Weird. Here's the thing. The older Ridgeline just kind of looks like it's just kind of bubbly. I think the first I think way. the first Ridgeline was just a little bit ahead of its time. It's before everybody had like fully committed to the SUV lifestyle and the people that had trucks wanted trucks, but now as you can see, we got the Ford Maverick, it's wildly popular. You got the Santa Cruz, not Santa Cruz, the uh Hyundai Santa Fe. And those things are pretty popular. And then of course the new generation uh Ridgeline that came out in maybe 2017, but it was kind of on its own for a while. Outside the of the El Camino, like the original, there's really not a whole <laughs> lot of other stuff like it. And Australia is super lucky; they got all kinds of Utes, is what they call them, and they got these cool like Holden V8 uh, 
weird, like more you just modern. Need to import one of those. It would be cool, but those don't really go off road. Is the problem? They're basically street trucks. I do want to be able to go mildly off road. So anyway, with the whole pickup truck thing, I'm getting the the utilitarian piece, and I, I've got a motorcycle trailer, so I can pull it now. Because I bought that trailer maybe a year or two ago for a motorcycle trip with the guys. And it's worked good. We've used it two or three times since then and then used it uh, a couple weekends ago to go down south. And it's super convenient when you have three motorcycles and it's super easy to load. And yeah, it was great. But with the Ridgeline, I can put two Surons in the back, like zero problem. So I'll probably do like a semi-permanent wheel chalk situation where it just makes it that much easier and more secure. You just like slap the bike in there and then two. Oh, like they'll actually fit in the bed? Yeah, yeah, it's with the a tailgate down. It's you a, can put them. It's a five foot bed with the tailgate down. It'll fit a full size moto, and it will almost close with a Suron. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they look really short, but it's actually a five foot bed. They have a quarter ton like frame uh, body on frame trucks that have five or five and a half foot beds. Yeah, truck beds are ridiculously short nowadays. You can get uh, that's that's six a whole foot, other show. Yeah, six to six and a half foot is standard if you got like an F one fifty, for example. But you can also get eight foot beds, which are bananas. They look hilariously long, and they're horrible to drive. So, Man, but they're what... good for doing truck shit. You know, if you want to like if work you... or haul things in your bed, like having a large bed is why you originally wanted a truck a long time ago, but d- not anymore. Now you want to haul people and maybe like throw a cooler in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very few people actually use their pickup truck for pickup truck things these days. Yeah. So that's been my journey of trying to figure out what I want. But hopefully the Ridgeline will uh, fill that gap and let me do some mild off-roading things and haul stuff around a little bit better than having a motorcycle carrier that's been modified to fit in a one and quarter receiver in a, a Prius. You know, it, it'll it probably go off-road better than a Chevy Impala. I mean, nothing off-roads better than a rental car, but I think this will get close. <laughs> well... Andrea, go. Uh, my week has been kind of, I mean, it's been parallel to Matt's week. It's been kind of helping him a little bit with his stuff. I've been, let's see, I took my old neighbor to the grocery store. Oh, yeah, went with Matt to pick up a table saw again for home improvement project. Now, is that a is that like a handsaw that you put on your table? Nope, this is a... Real Mama Jamma 36-inch cut capacity shop table saw. Yeah, it's nice. Who makes it? I don't remember. Rigid. I think it is rigid. Rigid, maybe. I don't know. Is it like a new boy? A new boy or a used boy? Uh, It was a Craigslist thing that's had very little runtime on it. Oh, man. So it's got a (laughs) multiple owner. It's got a motor swap. It's got a Milwaukee motor and a rigid. Yeah, probably. I don't know. So we met this man named Glenn. And he has done a lot of things throughout his life is the best way I can describe it. One of the things he is most passionate about is European standard headlights, um, especially glass ones. And he, from what I gathered, listening to him talk for maybe 45 minutes, it sounds like he wanted to, as a business, import European standard headlights and install them onto vehicles in the 70s and he had to also become a lawyer and law expert in order to do so because the feds as he put it the feds kept trying to shut him down so he has a warehouse that's full of old square european style 
rectangular European style car headlights. It's it's a pretty impressive collection, really. If you're looking for anything like that, we will put you in touch with him because he's a uh, he's an interesting man, and uh, you'll probably be entertained. But well, I'll have yeah, to get not him, a whole lot. I'll have to get him to retrofit the Ridgeline. He he would definitely do that. I think you could just drive up to his shop and tell him that you wanted some Euro headlights in your Ridgeline, and he would probably do it. Man, I'll just shout out the Matt. window of my goofy ass, not real pickup truck. American headlights are better, and then squeal tires and and go away. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what would happen then. <laughs> he would just yell back, "No, they're not." <laughs> Anyways, this dude was a fucking riot. He um, was. He was just. But- you just it was like you just give him a say something just to give him a topic to just talk about because he had something kind of off the wall about anything that you could that you could bring up. And he was the fella that you bought the table saw from? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, didn't he say how old he was? He's in He's his in 70s. His 70s. Yeah. He was wearing overalls. Uh, a a pair of denim Dickies overalls where Due to the fact that they had to make so much forward movement <laughs> below the shoulder and above the waist, that they rode up in a way that the cuffs were like six inches from the top of his shoe, which was a size 13 New Balance white. Did, um, were they Velcro? I don't remember. They had laces. Okay. Um, and I know they were size 13s because there was shoe boxes on a shelf that had that same, it was his shoe box, obviously, and did he have spares of that shoe? I, I don't know if he had spares or if he just hadn't thrown away the box. Also, you could tell this man wasn't really into throwing things away by the shape of the surface of his desk. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's thrown away an old invoice ever. Yeah, yep. He he had lots of good stories though, and told us we learned a lot about the feds while we talked to him. But I wanted to talk about something a little bit more serious since I didn't have a lot of stuff going on. Oh, God. We have to talk about pickup trucks and mental health. <laughs> We're going to talk Jesus Christ. a little bit about mental health. I and need I'll, more chocolate. I talked a while back about having ADHD that was untreated. Not long after that, I did decide I was going to talk to a doctor. And I found a psychiatrist. And we did online meetings. And turns out, yeah, I, I have a whole lot of ADHD, like plenty of it, enough for extra people. And so I have been taking Adderall since then. I guess it's been about two months now. And I kind of debated on talking about this because it's a little bit more serious and we tend to be lighthearted here. But I, I mean, I'm going to argue, I, I'm going to argue that I don't think it's serious at all. I think people just in general, people should be willing to talk about whatever it is right so if it's yeah yeah if it's adhd related to adderall or if it's financial advice like stuff that i don't know why some stuff is oddly taboo taboo. to talk about that doesn't make any sense to me so anyway i won't won't interrupt you anymore yeah i mean that's and that's why it's that's why i'm almost 42 years old and i'm finally seeing a doctor about this so for 40 years let's say i've really i mean I don't want to say I've suffered because I didn't know any better, but I had a really, really hard time. And, you know, I've started taking this and it hasn't been easy. I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, if you think you have ADHD, start taking Adderall because there's there's side effects, you know, it, right? Like it's it's not the best thing in the world to put in your body. But when your brain is like misfiring and just giving you all of these problems, 
that make your day-to-day life um, really difficult, then you sometimes have to make some compromises, and that's between you and your doctor. But I just want to let any anyone out there who thinks that they're having issues with it, or any parents that have kids especially, just think of it like this. Say your kid is born with no legs. You have a baby, perfectly healthy, but no legs. Maybe some stumps, don't know. Just, just pretty much no legs. Baby turns, you know, one and a half, two years old. Kids should be walking by now, right? Like, everyone else's kids are walking. Your kid's not walking. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to start yelling at them to start walking because all the other kids are walking? Like, hey, you're two years old. You need to be walking by now. You need to just try harder, right? Like, that's that sounds stupid, right? No one would do that. No one would see, like, a kid with no legs that can't walk and be like, if you would just try a little harder, you could walk, right? It's not like that. Like, you're missing something. You're missing a key component to the equation. So... If you have a kid that has any type of learning problem that's related to brain chemistry, they're missing a key component there. (laughs) You know, it's it's the same thing. Like, there is something missing that is not allowing them to pay attention, to stop acting out in class, whatever it is. Like, there's a million different symptoms, and it's it's different for every kid, but it's it's worth addressing and. How you address it, you know, the kid with no legs, you might, they might have prosthetics, you might put them in a wheelchair. There's lots of options. That's between your kid, you, and your doctor. So I'm not going to say that everyone who has ADHD needs to start taking Adderall, but everyone should address their neurodivergence issues, their mental health issues. Like, take care of that shit. Because it's only been a couple of months, and it's been kind of a hard couple of months. The doctor tried a different medicine in combination with the the Adderall and it made me feel really terrible. I have to like take a day off of it every now and then and that's kind of just like a wasted day because I don't feel good. I have to be careful when I exercise. High intensity exercise, it kind of makes me feel bad. So I try to not mix Adderall and high intensity exercise. So, you know, it's it's difficult. Like it's not easy, but it has made everything else that I do so much easier that it's 100% worth it. The first day that I took it, I cried when I was putting the dishes away because I could literally pick up something out of the drying rack next to the sink, walk to where it goes, and put it away without forgetting literally two or three times what the hell I was doing holding a dish. So yeah, this has been, it's been really, really good. And you know, I still kind of have a long way to go as far as like figuring out uh, like dosage and you know what what medication I'm taking and things like that but how many to snort at a time <laughs> I have not snorted any yet but so Adderall uh, ba- is you, you probably know this better than I do Andreas Adderall and this isn't meant to be weird I'm more just like curious Adderall is in the cocaine family correct oh they're not I actually read about this they're not this they're not they don't work exactly the same it's in the amphetamine it's closer it's closely related to like methamphetamine gotcha so it has that amphetamine is like the chemical backbone of it and then you tack different things onto it along with the meth, the amphetamine to make it either methamphetamine or um, like Adderall has dextroamphetamine in it it's not methamphetamine you're not taking meth sure but yeah I mean it's yeah, you know, I've had to monitor like heart rate and blood pressure. You know, I've had 
several checkups with the doctor. It's a pretty serious medication to take. Well, that's also kind of what I'm getting at, right? Is like, yeah, yeah. It's a, a my curiosity, and it's fascinating how all this stuff works and how it's all kind of interrelated, you know, between that and you got morphine and all just like all that stuff is so is so kind of wild to me and interrelated and obviously very important on how it all works. And that's why I I want to dig into it and, you know, see what you have found out and and all that. Cause yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild how it all it's works. It's just a it's a stimulant medication and it increases the amount of dopamine in your brain because that's kind of the main problem with someone with ADHD is you don't have dopamine in your brain or you don't have enough. And what I learned, I started kind of, I started looking at um, peer-reviewed research and I actually found this article. So in research articles, there's something called a, there's either just a write-up about an experiment or there's something called a review article where it reviews a lot of different experiments and kind of summarizes them into one thing. And what I found is that most of the problems that I have had throughout my life have been somehow related to side effects of having ADHD. The first thing that I can remember I used to do is, for one, I would climb trees. Like, absolutely no fear. If I could reach the bottom branch of a tree, I was in the top of the tree within like 30 seconds. Didn't matter how tall it was, I would just keep going. When I was in fourth grade... We went on a family trip to Alaska and we went to this, I don't know, some kind of a park where you could get really close to a glacier. And my parents kind of, you know, they weren't paying attention for 30 seconds. And I ran off and climbed up on the glacier. And I remember very clearly looking down into a crack and seeing this running water and thinking, man, I would die if I fell down in there. I mean, I was very cognizant of the fact that if if I slipped and fell... You know, and I'm in like, I don't know, some Keds sneakers with like a windbreaker on, you know, and... An Umbro windbreaker? Yeah, probably. No, I think it was London Fog was the brand. I don't know how I remember that, but yeah, so I'm in like some Keds sneakers and a windbreaker. I see people out there with ice equipment on the glacier. I see the crack and I'm like, yeah, I could die if I slipped and fell in there and just kind of kept on climbing around. And then I hear my parents yelling at me. And they want me to come back. They literally, like, it was so dangerous for me to be where I was. They could not go to get me. And it's been like that my entire life. Like, I, and, you know, I'm Kenny and I've talked about street racing a little bit. I've had um, what the journal articles call risk-taking behavior. Um, I've done a lot of that. And I still do. And I don't, actually, I, I honestly don't know if the Adderall, um, We'll tone that down at all. But um, there's that. You know, people with ADHD are like twice as likely to die. And I couldn't find the original source of this, but it was just kind of summarized in this thing that I read. People with ADHD are twice as likely to die of unnatural causes. So basically accidents like car accidents, falling, anything like that. Anything that's just not a you know, sickness or disease or something like that. Um, So more likely to die, more likely to get traumatic brain injuries. And so much to the point of if someone following a traumatic brain injury, if the doctor says, oh, you're exhibiting symptoms of ADHD, then it's highly likely that person had undiagnosed ADHD before they had the traumatic brain injury. 
So like you can't even, there's not even clear research that shows that a traumatic brain injury can cause secondary ADHD because so many people who get brain injuries, like people with ADHD are so much more likely to have a brain injury that the research is, it just gets all fucked up. So, so are you worried yeah, like, at all? Like in all seriousness, are you worried that taking something like Adderall would make you a different person as in like someone who would be less risk averse, who might like not do as many adventurous things? So far it hasn't. Do you think that being on Adderall would make you make a different decision at the top of some descent or no? Actually, and I haven't I haven't been able to ride trails enough to really get into this. When I the times that I have ridden single track and had Adderall, I've everything seems slow. It slows stuff down so much and I can think about every single thing that's happening. Whereas before, I'd be going down some gnarly, sketchy shit, and I'd be thinking about, like, fucking baking bread or some shit, like, or something I did in fifth grade. Like, I literally could focus on exactly what I was doing, and I I didn't really go that fast because it was such a weird feeling that I think that at some point, once I'm used to that, I might actually... It just, it doesn't even feel as dangerous. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's risk-taking behavior at that point. It just feels like easy. So I'm not really sure how that's going to go. It's just going to, it's going to take a while. It's been, it's just a new experience for me. I feel way safer was the only way I can really describe it is it felt much safer because everything seemed like, I don't know, like exactly what it, it seems, I, I feel like this is what most people experience if they don't have ADHD, but like what was happening was being processed in my brain as it was happening and seemed very easy to navigate. Hmm. I just think about, I almost think about my own, however I operate. I, who knows, I don't think I have any type of at least severe ADD or ADHD or anything like that, but I'm also not like a, and I'm not a risk taking person in general, but I do a lot of what other people might consider risky things, whether it's on motorcycles or cars or mountain bikes or, um, you know, with whatever it might be, uh, you know, power tools or whatever. I don't know stuff that a lot of people would think is risk taking behavior. I mean, as an example, I feel like that's, it's kind of like calculated risk versus impulsive risk. Maybe, maybe I'm just I'm just trying to wrap my head around the whole thing because I don't know what it all means. As an example, I would, without any drugs, on a Tuesday, if someone's like, "Hey, man, you want to go rip this turbo Hayabusa on the interstate? It, it does 220." I'd be like, "Sure, that sounds reasonable. I will do that." <laughs> I mean, I know what I'm getting into. I've drag raced plenty of leader bikes. I, that would be really enjoyable for me, but I don't know what that means. Does that mean that, like, am I? <laughs> so it's like, do so I, I do that because I have a lack, a lack of dopamine? Like, I don't know. I, I can explain the difference to you. Okay. You, you've ridden, you've ridden fast motorcycles before. You know your own capabilities. You would get on that and ride, probably to the edge of your capabilities and have a good time. Maybe a little plus or minus. The the ADD risk taking is like like if I did that. I've been on a motorcycle probably 10 times 
and a dirt bike. Never ridden a street bike. It's like if I got on that and I'm like, yeah, I want to do 200 miles an hour and I just did it. It's like, I this is just what I want to do. I want to do this because it's going to be fucking awesome. And yeah, it's, it's, it's stupid, but I'm going to do it. Whenever I'm mountain biking or riding a dirt bike or street bike or doing a track day in a car, that kind of stuff. The reason I love those things so much, A, well, they're just they're just fun, right? They get your dopamine up without a doubt. But I like it because I don't think about anything else. I'm as in the moment as you can be. I'm not thinking about any other outside stuff. I'm not thinking about life stuff. I want to be like in the moment operating that thing to the best of my ability and fully engrossed in that, if that makes sense. Yes, and that's exactly how I can say like, Riding my mountain bike on single track, that's how it felt the first time I did it after taking Adderall. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Other, Yeah. So like other times it's kind of like I'm doing this dangerous thing, but at the same time, there's like a ticker tape of other, other thoughts that are just running in the background constantly. It's kind of making impulsive, stupid decisions in, in dangerous situations or like I'm going to be in this bike race and there might be a thunderstorm, but I'm still going to push my bike up to the top of a mountain and get almost struck by lightning and then get bad hypothermia and almost die and have search and rescue, almost have search and rescue called on you. So it's doing stuff like that where you make an impulsive decision without running through all of the options. And at the same time that you're doing that, you have all of these other just random shit just running through your head. Yeah. So Lesson of the day, if you think your kid is neurodivergent, or if you think you are, see a doctor. Just go see a doctor. See what you can do. Like, my doctor actually said, she's like, if you're going to do any kind of behavioral therapy for this, you're going to actually need to have some kind of, we we have to figure out some kind of medication for you to take for you to even be able to start behavioral therapy. So, you know, that's where I am now. The next step is to um, bring back coping mechanisms and things that I had a long time ago that I don't have anymore. So I have another serious question because I'm just ignorant. What is, I don't actually know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, The psychiatrist is able to prescribe drugs. A A psychiatrist gives you pills. A psychologist gives you problem-solving techniques. Yeah, or like a therapist. So, So now I would, I told Matt, I was like, after I read through that article and I'm like, wow, all of these things that I used to do and all the things I've done up until now, really, that I've struggled with, I need to see a therapist to, to like, unpack all of this and, like, integrate it and move forward with my life. It's, it's huge. It's, you know, like, I've, I've been through a lot of shit. Um, and I didn't realize that some of that shit was, it was very strongly related to having ADHD. You know, I mean, there's always free will there, right? Like, it, it's not like a mind control disease where... You know, it was taking me over and and forcing me to do things that I shouldn't do. But, you know, it was definitely um, big influence. No, that's all interesting stuff. I'm interested to see, you know, get your feedback on other experiences that you have, you know, while on it versus off it and all that. I think that would be just in, enlightening for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll update everyone, um, especially if we get some good feedback on here, because, you know, we're here for the listeners. Yep. No, I think all this. I think all this stuff is good to. I think all this stuff is good to talk about because it's all it's all fascinating. And yeah, why in the world we as a society are weird about that stuff? I never I never fully understood. It's just bizarre to me. It's like yeah, okay, a lot of people are a lot of people are different, and this is 
It's it's just not that it shouldn't be weird. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, and that's why mine went untreated for so long because I I grew up thinking like uh, you don't talk to people about about brain problems like that makes you weird. Like you can't you can't do that. Like you're you're smart. You know, you can you can figure it out on your own and just try harder. That's, you know, and eventually I just got tar- tired of a uh, of trying harder because it didn't work. And if everyone could just be open about talking about stuff like, hey, you know, we have drugs. These are the best thing. These are the best tools that we have to deal with it. And but hey, guess what? By the way, don't think this is some magic thing. There might be, for example, side effects. Here are the side effects. And then you can make an informed decision, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's for everybody. Like talk to a doctor and therapist and, you know, get all of the mental help. Get just just like if you had any kind of physical problem. You know, you say you break your leg, you're going to see an orthopedic doctor. You're going to, you're going to see a Matt just jumped up. I think you got a cramp. You're going <laughs> to see an ortho, like you might go to the emergency room and see one doctor for that. Then you're going to see an orthopedic doctor and then you're going to see a physical therapist. And then you might see a personal trainer. Like you might see four or five different doctors for the same problem. And all of them have their own purpose in treating that problem. And mental health is no different than that. You might have one doctor that, you know, prescribes drugs and then says, okay, now it's time for you to go to this doctor and start learning how to make a schedule for yourself and how to, you know, basically organize your life in a way that that works for how your brain works now. So, yeah, like another thing, um, substance abuse is extremely common in people with ADHD. And I can say, like, since I've started taking Adderall, I mean, for one if you do drink while you're taking Adderall, like the alcohol has like half of its normal effect. At oh, least I thought, uh, to... I thought they kind of multiply it together. No, no. Like you can, you can drink. I mean, I, I looked on Reddit because that's where you can find people that have done really terrible things. Oh yeah. No, to themselves. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and yeah, people are like, yeah, I take 20 milligram Adderall at 9 PM. And then by 10 PM, I can drink uh, a 12 pack of beer in an hour and I'm, and I'm cool. And Jeez. yeah, it's that's probably not oh, a good lifestyle. No, it's not at all. Just gonna throw that one out there. That's what you know. Reddit is great for reading about how good you're doing compared to <laughs> people that are doing some really awful stuff to their bodies. Uh, so like, not only to, so alcohol doesn't. I don't want to drink a lot just to feel drunk. So I just haven't really been drinking much. But also, like, I don't crave alcohol. Like, I literally craved alcohol from about, I don't know, 2 p.m. every day until 8 or 9 p.m. A strong craving the way that you would crave a piece of fucking cake. And it's amazing that I'm not an alcoholic because, go ahead. Are we going to talk about any of the tabs you have open or any of the things anyone's written down? I just need to know that no, now. No, I think so, we can, we I can need switch, a we can switch gears. My vote we would be, switch gears. why don't we switch gears? I think that was a good discussion and that's random shit that we all have to talk about every once in a while because guess what? Motorcycles, not, motorcycles are bicycle adjacent. Vans are bicycle adjacent and taking drugs are is bicycle adjacent. So... <laughs> I no, that- I'm not mad about it. I'm just going to call Andrea out. She had an after-lunch dose of Adderall today. I do. I have an extended release when I take in the morning, and then if I start to have like a, I, I don't know, the doctor calls it a crash. It doesn't feel like a crash, but if it just wears off early, I can take like a, a tiny little dose at lunchtime of like an instant release one. 
And I can say with confidence that that is not out of your system yet. Okay. Because it's after nine o'clock and you're like fucking partying ahead on the conversation. (laughs) And I'm over here like shitting in my pants. This bitch has seven tabs open. I have stuff written down (laughs) on my paper. And she's talking about how many glasses of wine she would have to drink before she started to catch a buzz when she's had Adderall. And I'm fucking scared. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's take take care of some business. Let's go to some new shit. We only had one. I've got, I've got uh, one. I'm just going to kick it the fuck off. You guys ready? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shimano Unified Drive System, whatever the fuck dumbass name they Hughes. came up with. There you go. You knew what I was talking about. Yeah. I have it open on one of my seven tabs. Sick. That was... Now you only got six tabs. <laughs> I don't know a There's... lot about it. I like I read it very briefly, but it sounds like maybe Altus, Acera, Sora, Tiagra. So basically- Entry to mid-level road and mountain stuff in multiple speed groups, which is a lot of skews, by the way, is basically um, all flat bar. I think it's Anything all going flat away. Bar. I thought it was road stuff too. It was going to be fully cross compatible, same pull ratio. There's both. Oh, okay, I didn't see the road stuff in this article. Well, anyway, so well, my so take, last my year, take on this did... is if there's fewer skews at the end of the day, I think that's pretty cool. And like, if I have to stock less. My shelves in the back of the store are hugely populated with low to mid-tier Shimano stuff in every speed. So anyway, that's all I have. Great. Go, there's go only one chain now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's awesome. one chain now. So go ahead, Andrew. Uh, well, the so last year they introduced XT Link Guide, which they said was more durable. Even It was a lot heavier, but it was more durable, but it was a different cable pull ratio. So it, the derailleur and shifter were not compatible with current XT. Um, and now this kind of expands. It's like trickle-down link guide, like a okay. trickle-down version of that XT drive. I thought train. that thing was like a super chunker, very like a very big range, but not very many gears. Is that accurate uh, well, or the, no? That, X, that XT link guide was available in, in 10 and 11 speed. So it was another 11 speed drivetrain that but wasn't it was, compatible with the current one. It was the one. same chain, but you could just basically have a different cassette same derailleur, same shifter even, possibly, but you no, just like limit it differently? No, different derailleur, different shifter, different cassette. Okay. Um, and all of these cassettes go on a uh, an H, like a hyperglide style um, cassette body. You don't have have to have micro spline or anything different. Um, but yeah, they're now doing that um, link glide that they call in uh, 11, 10, and 9 speed. And basically the parts are intercompatible, so you can take... You know, a bike that has a nine-speed shifter on it, say the person wrecks the shifter and all you have is the, the Q's 11-speed shifter, you can put that on there and just limit out the extra two clicks. Yeah. So it sounds like, and I could be wrong, maybe you can correct me, we're going to have essentially one chain and one set yeah. of spacing in between gears, and you can basically just start stacking or taking away gears on like your cassette and run the same chain, and you could run that same derailleur, but you just limit out the derailleur and ideally match it up to the correct number of clicks on the front, on the shifter. I Is that accurate? So. I don't know if the derailleurs are all specific to their speed, but I know the shifters can, because the pull ratio is the same no matter what what speed you're running, mm-hmm. I know that the shifter is... There's only one cable pull on front derailleurs now. All right. Intra- very, all very interesting. 
I think the coolest thing that they could do if they could pull it off is just have truly one shifter. And then it just has like a little switch or some mechanism that you adjust or change or whatever. And it limits it out that way. And there's just one shifter. And then you can just choose what cassette you have, essentially, how many gears you have in the back. You know, I think as a bike shop, you could do that. You know, you could stock just the 11-speed shifter. And then limit it. I think so. <clears throat> I think that's what Yeah, I seem to recall reading that snippet in there. But anyway, interesting yeah, stuff. I mean, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, it's made for uh, the more entry-level stuff and hopefully to have fewer, less stuff on your shelves. So in other news, now that we're talking about Shimano... I'm kind of scared for Shimano. I like. I don't want them. I think they're going to go out of business. Uh, <laughs> I don't want them to. I want there to be competition and I want there to be innovation. But stuff that will be out on the market at some point is going to be really good. And I'm I'm really worried. I'm I'm worried about all Shimano over there that they're losing touch with the world. Some stuff they make is very decent though. Like they're. That's why it's so weird to me. Their kind of entry to mid-level stuff is actually pretty solid. It's annoying that there's a zillion SKUs, but most of the time when you touch a well-set-up Acera derailleur, it works just fine. It's not premium mountain bike. It doesn't have a clutch on it, but it works just fine, and it's super durable and really cheap. So that stuff's really cool, but I feel like they're just totally losing touch with high-end and especially mountain bikers in general, that they're just that they've just lost their way. And it's really bizarre to me. Uh, and I had one other Shimano thought. Shoot, what is it? Oh, does anybody know what they're doing in the road space? Because they have 105 12-speed DI2 now. But there's no there's no yeah. cable pull 12-speed stuff. Is it just, no. hey, you just get 11-speed and you're going to... That's that's what you get if you don't have 12-speed? What do you mean? If you don't have... No Basically, one makes... Twi- uh, oh, I guess like, no, one, no makes, one makes... I guess nobody makes clickety-clackety 12-speed. Uh, 12 Interesting. If you don't want robots, you stay with eleven like a real curmudgeon, and you okay. call them brifters. I guess that's I guess that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I mean, I see this as really good. I think this is great because it's going to let Shimano innovate on the upper tier without having to do without forcing this complication and all. Like, here's the thing that I don't understand. Everybody, how will, I'm missing? So I'm missing off. that step. How will that make them? be able to innovate on the high well, end. Well, they they no longer have to trickle no. down to the hey, Dior. Everyone always bitches that the high-end stuff costs too much and it's too complicated and bikes used to be simple. And now Shimano releases some, releases some simple shit and everybody's pissed off that it's simple and cheap and doesn't have the features of the high-end shit. Go fuck! Jesus Christ! <laughs> you don't want robots? Buy Qs. Oh, Qs isn't nice enough? Buy fucking robots. That's not good enough? Go on EuroAsia and buy some goddamn 11-speed Durace. I don't know. Fucking figure it out. <laughs> Just go bitch about something else. Fuck. <laughs> People like to bitch about I don't, stuff. I'm tired. I'm going to bitch about them bitching. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, is there's always been this expectation that new shit comes, cheaper shit gets it eventually. Not anymore. There's a line in the sand. You've got XT, you've got Qs. XT will not trickle down into Qs. 105 will not trickle down into Qs. Well, I you thought don't there like was, that? not to make it too complicated, I thought there was some interrelation between that latest generation XT and Qs. The Link Guide XT that was released last year 
that is based that was basically like XTQs. It's 11 speed. It's not new. It's not modern. It's oh, not it's HG. Oh, it's 11 or, speed. Okay, that's yeah. why. I just saw it and it looked new and I was like, "Huh." I just ignored it cuz I didn't know what the fuck it was. And I would never that's like my, Yeah, anyway. That's my point. No one's going to Oh, I can't ride that, that, that. Okay, ride Qs. You don't want a micro spawn ride Qs. Just do this. That's the way it goes. That's the way it be. This is like the curmudgeon proof. But they're still going to bitch about it because they're just hateful son of a bitch. Because there's no three-by option. They don't actually like riding bikes. They just like bitching about bikes. <laughs> All right. So Shimano Q, Shimano, what's, the next, what's the next topic? We're going to stay on Shimano. Guess what they released? Cartridge-bearing hubs. Oh, yeah. Get I didn't even open that fu- tab. F- fuck your face. There's no way... <laughs> They did that. They did that. They where, did where, that. Where, where is this? I'm going to... What it's, is it's happening? It's on bicycle media websites. Right what? Hold on. Shema. This is going to... My computer's going to crash because this is not... <laughs> Are you, is another one of your fucking computers going to catch on fire tonight? <laughs> yeah, it might. Hold on. Yeah, I might need to go get a more powerful computer to be able to search for what I'm about to search for. Shimano <laughs> cartridge uh, hub. Dun, 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 two days ago. Oh my gosh. So as I say, I'm worried about Shimano. Someone over there woke the fuck up and realized. <laughs> oh, read the comments. Everyone's like, they're not. They're now you have to throw something away instead. Oh of my god, people are like, I can't oh. adjust my hubs. That by the way, oh. that is that is one thing that as a bike shop employee was always like shoved down my throat, and I never understood because it's not actually a real fucking thing. Oh, you can just service an overhaul and adjust your hubs. Dude, an XTR hub, if unless it was manufactured fucking wrong, you basically don't touch the thing forever because it has amazing bearings in it. I'm not fiddle dicking with my hub and cone setup. It just like works until it gets grainy and then it's ruined and then you have to basically throw it away. So I don't care how many times you repack that son of a bitch. Eventually, one of the races is going to get ground up. Now, granted, XTR and Dura stuff truly did last a really freaking long time because they were super high-end bearings and races and everything, but they would still eventually meet their demise, and then you'd have to throw the whole fucking thing away because you literally couldn't do anything about it to fix it. And then, of course, all the mid- and low-range stuff has the exact same problem, just accelerated times a thousand. And again, no one in their right mind is fiddle-dicking with those things and Great, so you can repack your hubs, but you can't fix the part that wears inside the hub. So you can put new, you could search a 10,000 cone part numbers and find the ones that you need and get new outer cones and new ball bearings and you can repack it and it's going to roll the same fucking way it did when it was broken before because the inner races that are permanently part of the hub shell are ruined. So fuck that system, I hate it. But, 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 but. Moving on, what's next? (laughs) Uh, The Industry 9... I don't know how to pronounce it. It's small I, big R, little I, big X. <laughs> that reminds me of like a family guy thing. Yeah, he's got the, I think the Stewie's opening a new nightclub. It's called Place. <laughs> little P, big L. Uh, anyway, you'll have to watch that yeah, episode. I, I really don't know good. if it's, I don't know if you're supposed to say the letters or if it's supposed to be one syllable or two or whatever, but Industry 9 made a fancy new headset that is lighter than most other headsets and has a lifetime warranty on all the parts. And I've Does got that some, include color fading? Probably not. I've got some <laughs> mad opinions on that that might not go down well. Go for it. All right, so... Speed run them, though. I, I just don't understand. 
I don't understand why anybody would release a high-end headset these days. I just don't get it because no frames take press-in cups anymore. It, it's well, just you can get so so you can get the integrated bearings. Um, basically, what what you're paying for there is a, a top cap, a beautiful top cap, uh, beautiful you know the the part that goes on top of your frame. Those are both top caps. Okay. I fucking hate it. You uh, have a top the, cap over the your bearings stem and that a- have a lifetime warranty and the uh, base plate, or I guess the crown race, if you're not Chris King, uh, that has a double seal on it that is replaceable should it ever start to get torn up. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, on IS headsets, what I've seen, so this is what I found on Wolftooth. <clears throat> and sorry, Wolftooth. So I have your headset that is like a press cup situation, like an old school, it's got cups in it. And they're fantastic. It's great because you guys can control the tolerances of everything because you make the cup, you make the bearing, you make the seal, and everything works together wonderfully. Just like how Cane Creek 110 stuff, for example, all work together. And I loved Cane Creek 110 products. Those things were amazing. They were super bomber. Bearings lasted a super long time, fat warranty. They were anodized and pretty. They're great. The problem is everything these days is an IS headset. And the issue there is every aftermarket setup, including Cane Creek, by the way. So Cane Creek, definitely Wolftooth. Those are the two that I've had extensive experience with on uh, specialized bikes. Their bottom seal doesn't fit right. And you have so much drag that your handlebars basically don't turn anymore. So I have to just rip, like cut out with a razor blade, like an insane person. I have to cut that seal out or your handlebars stick. So I just don't understand buying a really expensive but it's, aftermarket it's purple, Kenny. <laughs> IS headset in particular. So since it's I, purple, the reason I ask this question, and it, I like i9, but I just don't get why you would put all this time and money and effort into releasing something that would work phenomenally if everything ran cups. Because you again, you can control your destiny. You're also seeing much more cool anno. It's like outside the bike. That's great. But every bike these days is IS. And guess what? My $20 FSA bearings and little dust cap and all that crap are phenomenal. I don't have a lick of grindiness in those things. They run awesome and they're $20. It's $20 for the entire headset. If you get an anodized one, you can pay $180 and it changes color throughout the life of your bike. Anyway, I wish you could see how hard I'm rolling my eyes over here. Now, the only (laughs) thing that I'll take from this is I do hope that maybe the actual bearings, forget the seals and the cups and all the other garbage, the actual dead nuts bearings themselves. I'd like to know more about those truly. They look like there's some type of enduro parts. I don't know. Are they like super special? Don't know. They are made by enduro cool so anyway that's that's my rant on that thing do you want to do yeah we're gonna make fun of sram's new force real quick and they it's glitter fart force (laughs) because they call the color unicorn glitter which is i love sram we all admit like uh, self-admittedly i'm over here just gobbling down the sram cock (laughs) but fucking hell unicorn glitter for a color name yeah i just don't what if you i've got an idea because I, I'm so sick of hearing all these colors, the lunar gray and all this garbage that they come up with. How about it doesn't have a fucking name and it's just GX and it comes in whatever the fuck color GX is. And force <laughs> and force is just force. It doesn't have to have a goddamn name. Take some of the money and research you had to do with the legal team and all that stuff and put that towards something else 
for the love of God. <laughs> cool. We've talked. The only good takeaway here, I can sum up the new force group drop very quickly. You get rival-shaped levers with the smaller reservoir. You lose pad contact adjustment. You no longer can run wire blips because you can pair up to three sets of wireless blips into the system. The levers are shorter, closer to the bars. You no longer have multiple rear derailers in two-by. One single rear derailer does the duty that the old short cage and mid-cage does, meaning 26 through 36 tooth rear derailers or rear cogs. They now use the same forged single piece power meter setup just like you would find on red if you need one by they still make four bolt 107 asymmetric power meter spider but if you really want to get fancy they've released a carbon version of the rival style spindle based power meter that reads the left side only that is available in both force and force wide it is compatible with two by or one by rings if you're running wide, you'll have to run a wide front derailleur, which has always been the case. Yep. All of these parts are backwards compatible moving forward with existing AXS 12-speed road, assuming you do not mix and match wide and non-wide front derailleur chainring combos. All right. Yeah, so that, that's basically Good it. My, my take on the whole thing is it all seems very reasonable. There's nothing... There's nothing weird or there's no gotchas. It's all like good, small, marching forward progress, in my opinion. So I have no, I haven't used it, but I've got no complaints. Moving on in the SRAM world. A SRAM Axis multi-battery charger. It is a USB-C charger now instead oh, of gonna, micro USB. I was going to ask and a snarky holds. question during the, <laughs> during the thing, but I decided not to. Four batteries. What was the question? I looked at the, did you see the picture of the four pot charger? Uh-huh. It's got little, like the buttons have the same like texture and profile as the, uh, as the axis shifter does. Yeah. And I was going to ask them if I could swap the paddles on the charger. <laughs> <laughs> to one that felt better. Yeah. I'm like, can I get the, I don't like that style. Can I go back to the rocker style on that battery? But I decided not to post that. Um, with that, they also released... Oil slick red level, so twelve ninety nine cassette and chain. Yeah, that's gonna be you know, so you can get rainbow on your fucking drop bar bike. Last new thing, a new cross country race bike was spotted under a specialized riding athlete, and it looks very similar to the design of the Trek Super Caliber with the ISO strut. But of course, in this photo, the bike is covered in mud, and that. Uh, chain or sorry seat stay to top tube junction is wrapped up in a cover so you can't actually see what's happening under there they got a they got a condom so your eyeballs can't get nothing on it it yep. sounds like specialized is trying to differentiate the epic a little bit and like make the spread between the evo and the regular a wider gap yeah like an epic sl on an epic evo yep yeah it's plausible specialized released another bike that i want to talk about all right Turbo Terra X. Have you seen that, Kenny? I have. I, they, uh, it's, <laughs> I just don't know. I, it's, it's described, and maybe not wrongfully so, it's described as the SUV of e-bikes. So it's like a simple full suspension e-bike, but it's like, you don't really want a mountain bike on it. I guess you could, 
but it's got like fenders and shit. And obviously you could ride it on the road. You can ride anything you want on the road. And it's like, it, it's a comfier, you know, I guess if you just want to be like kind of lazy and sit down and like go through little road G outs and jump off curbs and stuff, it would be like comfy, I guess. I Dude, I would, I just pulled it up. I would ride the shit out of one of these. It's like a hunting bike. I'd get this over a quiet cat any day. Yeah, I, I just don't quite know what the market segment for that is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have definitely sold customers who they just wanted an e-bike. They want an e-bike and they look at a Levo or decide to ride a Levo and they like it because, hey, it's a comfortable riding position. It's got suspension. Uh, it's confidence inspiring. And they just rip that around their neighborhood and that's all they do. And like, I guess that's fine. So I guess they're trying to officially say that's what this bike is for. I I don't know. I don't know. They just need I mean, to make a gun rack for the handlebars. It'll be, you know. It it has racks and fenders and like a basket option. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to go buy one tomorrow, but like I would ride that. It, it has an integrated thousand lumen light. You could actually fucking ride the thing at night and you won't die. And you maybe know, I'm like wrong. Maybe other- it's just, maybe it's cool. Maybe everybody should be riding one of these. It's just, uh, just like an SUV. It's a little bit more expensive than a car, but maybe it does <laughs> some things better. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that like, I think it's fine. I would ride it, especially living where I live. And it has a huge battery life. Um, I didn't see what it weighs. I'm sure it's a fucking bunch because the yeah, battery's it's, giant. It's a big number. But I mean, I, I don't know. What's the battery watt hours on it? Surely it's is it it can't be over seven hundred, is it? Seven ten. Whoa, that's a big one. And it's it's swappable, meaning you can fast change the battery. It's not like a bolt in style like a Levo. Okay, interesting. But yeah, I'd ride the shit out of that thing. Tubeless ready. Yeah, party on. I'd yeah, I I would take this and use it to like scout and get around like hunting. I I have no desire to have any kind of a like a gas or non pedalable hunting vehicle. But um, I'd use one of these. It'd be perfect on the rainbow trail. But have you, I think have we you should. Been, have you been in a side by side, Andrea? I have actually, and I I didn't I didn't really think it was that much fun. Oh, I don't wow. know. I, I think you're doing. I have fun like wrong. I took my I took my parents on a side by side tour from Pitkin, which is a little ghost town where they have side by side rentals like up above tree line, and I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't. It wasn't that comfortable and. It wasn't very fast. I mean, you weren't supposed to go fast on that road anyway. But Jeez, like, I was going to say, the, just the bachelor party side-by-side thing we did, I can't believe nobody died or got kicked out or arrested yeah, I don't or think whatever. These were, was, I don't think these were that kind of side-by-side. That was so much fun. They were like the thousands, and we were jumping <laughs> off shit and doing donuts and uh, driving really, really fast. It was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should. Um, I think we should wrap it up. We didn't. We only had one listener question, so we'll just save it for next week. No, let's just do it here at the end. It's kind of s- related to um, what we were talking about with Shimano Qs. You gonna read it, Matt? Uh, this is from Duncan. Oh yeah, Duncan. I need to. I'm gonna send him an email in the morning. I'll turn the computer this way. Uh, heard the Shimano versus SRAM drivetrain discussion in the latest episode, and wondering if any of you have seen the Shimano Link Glide stuff that recently came out, and what your thoughts are on that. I like high-end SRAM 12-speed as much as anyone, but the 11-speed Link Glide looks as good, or looks like a great value proposition if it lasts as long as they claim. Also, looking for thoughts on 29 tire choice for a 250-mile race that is 70 to 80 percent backcountry trail, with the rest being on the road. I need to balance rolling resistance and weight versus durability and not being too sketchy for cornering while tired. 
currently have DHF, DHR, EXOs, 2-3s and 2-4, Terraville, E-Line, Honcho, Light, and Supple, 2-5, and shoot should soon have old Forecaster EXOs and WTB Ranger and Trail Boss. That should soon. Those tires are coming on a bike that he's getting from me. Um, <laughs> down to new rubber, or down to try new rubber as well, but trying to clamp down on my mountain bike tire hoarding habit for my relationship's sake. Uh, well, that Ranger and Trail Boss combination is pretty good. Those tires are a little on the heavy side, but I think WTB has really improved their puncture protection. So that Ranger doesn't, depending on your terrain, really, but if you are on super hard, rocky stuff like we have here, that, that Ranger has about a 500-mile lifespan as far as the tread. I mean, the casing is fucking solid, but yeah, the, the tread will uh, start to wear pretty hard. Don't ride off the recon. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, the 100% the Maxxis Recon is the best tire on the market for the average person who's doing average trail stuff that's not like ultra ultra steep or has ultra loam. Just kind of the average person, especially if you're doing longer stuff or maybe slightly race adjacent. I think that the Recon is amazing. The compound is awesome. It rolls decent. Uh, they wear average. The downside is you are going to have to sell your bike to afford them because <laughs> they are a hundred dollars and up, which is bananas. Yeah. I don't know. I like riding my bike. I like tires that work. I, I don't know that maybe I'm just jaded or I'm like finally have a little, like $2 that I can rub together at the same time. <laughs> but like spending a hundred bucks on a tire just doesn't break my heart. I'm just like, fuck it, whatever. I mean, oh, I, know I, I, don't I say fuck it, whatever, too. It's just that after a while, it's like, holy shit, like I have this is going to become a problem. And it's also difficult <laughs> when there's a specialized tire specialized is like, I don't know, give us eight dollars and we'll give you this tire. And Max is like, yo, it's one fifty or go get fucked. Well, what, when what Specialized special- starts making a tire that it slaps as hard as a recon, I'll fucking buy it. I, you're, you not, you're not wrong. And by the way, I want to say that I am running the new ground control two threes and i think it's not as much a ground control problem as a volume problem two I was threes on, are bullshit they're dumb i was on <laughs> two sixes before and they're phenomenal the recons by the way and tried the two three ground control and oh especially on rocks though they're worse than i ever thought they could be on rocks how in the <laughs> world they're like sticky rubber and you touch a rock and you like start sliding and i'm like why am i sliding this tire is brand new with the softest rubber compound on the planet, and it can't stick to slick rock, it doesn't make any sense to me. But my freaking worn-out well, ass recons stick like glue to those rocks. It so. makes you... I'm going to blow everyone's mind right now. My Spark has a Recon 2.4 in the rear, Recon 2.6 in the front. Mm-hmm. For the old Hey Duke, thanks to Dickie, I've got a new tire combo to try. Recon 2.6 in the rear... Recon 2.8 in the front. Yeah, great. I love it. I'm going to see if I can squeeze that Recon 2.8 in an old pike. Go for it. And if I can't, I'll just ride it rigid. I don't care. <laughs> Specialized should right. just roll over to the Maxis office and be like, yo, Recon, how much does it cost? We want it. Like, you guys can't make it anymore. We'll make it. Specialized would then cry when Maxis is like, I just bought a yacht with Recon money. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't buy the recon because I need a new yacht every month with recon money. Yep, that's right. 
Like, if you still lived in Memphis, can you imagine how awesome it would be to run, like, a Recon 2.6 in the front and Aspen 2.4 in the rear? Holy shit. That would be a very good combo. I agree. Also, we got more Aspens this week. All right. I've never ridden that tire. You should. I'll try it. But we should wrap this up now. We gonna shut it down? Shut it down. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this marathon episode, and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your pants.